2,000 watts, 1,800 watts doesn't necessarily guarantee you win a bunch sprint anymore. You know, they're, they're winning them now. And I, I use that word optimized because I mean b- booties, aero socks, tires, wheels, bikes, you know, skin suits, everything is just, it's, um yeah, it's just the way the sport's going. They're just aerodynamics, free speed. But once everyone's got that, then you have to start thinking, okay, how do I get the next advantage? G'day legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift Legends episode 95 and this one is all about sprinting, okay? And our guest is an expert in this field, an expert in this discipline. It is Greg Henderson, aka Hendo and what a guy he is. You guys, oh, you're going to love this one, okay? I wanted to talk to an expert about this, uh, about this topic, sprinting, right? And Hendo is the man, okay? He's had a huge career, a long career, and across his 20-odd years of being a professional, all of that was either inside a lead-out train or at the end of it, or sprinting uh, in the sprint uh, sort of bunch race disciplines at the track, the scratch race, the points race, etc. okay? And once he finished his career, which included 17 Grand Tours, five Olympic Games, racing for HTC Columbia High Road, Team Sky, Lotus Udall side by side with Andre Greipel for many years. Once he finished his, uh, his, his professional career, he then moved on to the post side where he was working with teams, okay, as the head of performance for USA Cycling, working as a director sportive for many teams, and even consulting, okay, consulting on world tour teams, lead out trains, and sprint operations. They were calling him in to say, look at our setup, it's a shambles, we need you to fix it, we need you to dial it in so we can get the results. So you guys will love this app, okay? Greg, or Hendo and I, talk about the state of play when it comes to world tour sprinting right now, okay? The current crop of sprinters, it's huge. You know, when you think about the riders who can contest for a win these days in a Grand Tour stage or a UAE Tour sprint, it's huge. You know, once upon a time, it was sort of one, two, maybe three top guys who would contest all of the time. But now, yeah, six or seven can be a winner on their day. And Greg gives his opinion as to why he thinks that is, and he has a really interesting viewpoint on that. We also talk about the leadouts, you know, how it's constructed, how they're operating these days, and how it's different uh, to maybe 10 or even five years ago. What are the best trains doing? Hendo gives us his take and his opinion. He's worked with those teams. He knows what they're doing. And uh, you guys will really love the insights that he has. And finally, we talk about who is the fastest sprinter. You know, who do you think it is? Uh, You could ask 10 people in a pub. They might give you a different idea. Who do you reckon is the best? I've got my ideas. I'm sure you've got yours. And Hendo gives his take. And is the best sprinter the fastest sprinter? Are they the same thing? We also talk about that. And finally, once we've finished our sprinting discussion, we get into some of the uh, takes that Greg has on Lawrence Pithy and Ali Williston. Being a Kiwi himself, he has uh, he's close with these two riders and he's able to offer some insights into what or where they can go with their potential and just how they're going right now because they are following these two. And don't worry, we'll have Pithy on. He's coming. Just a few, uh, give him a couple of days after his is uh, Cadell's results, and um, he'll be on the podcast, no doubt. So 
Legends, I know you're going to love this episode. And uh, if you enjoy it, don't forget to leave a rating or um, leave a review on Spotify and Apple. Majorly helps the pod, and I really appreciate it. And, uh, of course, uh, speaking of appreciation, we've got to thank the sponsors. Now, Zwift. Zwift, I love Zwift. I love it. I really love it in the wintertime. You know, it's where I like to use it the most. I love doing the Zwift racing. You know, the criteriums in the morning. You get out of bed. You get a half an hour crit done, and then you're ready to go to work or whatever else you got to do. I just love the ease of it. But at the moment, the Zwift Academy finals are about to be released uh, on YouTube. Okay, so if you want to watch, it's on February the 20th. The first episode gets released, and it's on Eurosport's YouTube channel. So February 20th, chuck that in your calendar, and the first episode gets released then, and then I think they get released daily for the next five days. And it's an interesting crop of finalists, I have to say. Go check them out on, uh, on Zwift's Instagram, see who they are, and on the website. And, uh, yeah, that's an interesting crop. And last year's men's winner in particular, Luca Vergolito, he is no joke. He is a proper um, bike racer, and he's already had some success last year. So I'm really interested to see who will get the um, get the finals win and the contracts for Kenny Tram and Alberson this year. So make sure you check that out and put it in your calendar. And finally, before we touch this episode, guys, you can win a prize, okay? Bike racks, the only way to store your bike, okay? Bike racks are giving away four bike racks in this episode. Four easy folds, okay? And if you want to see what they look like, go to www.bikerakz.com and check them out. The easy fold, they're the ones that I've got at my house. Um, indoors and outdoors, they're absolutely beautiful and just what you need. But we're giving away four of them, okay? Now, it's just someone's going to get four, righto, to win. All you have to do is comment in the Instagram post for this episode on the Press Room Podcast's Instagram. You have to comment who my favorite sprinter is. Now, OG listeners, you'll know. You all know who it is. You have to comment who it is. And if there's more than one, then, uh, well, we'll put it into a generator and we'll pull out a winner and someone's going to get four bike rack easy folds what a prize so big thanks to bike racks and if you want to buy some and you don't win the the uh don't win the competition well use the code tpr20 you get 20 percent off okay legends it's time to get stuck into this episode this is all things sprinting with hendo greg henderson he's a legend and you guys are too for listening i'll see you on the other side when was the last time you were in perth Wow. Last time I can remember was 1993 for the Junior Worlds. Oh, yeah. The Speed Dome. <laughs> nah, unless I've, no, I, I rode the road race back then. Unless there's been a World Cup, maybe we did World Champs in 97. But that might have been on the track in 97. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever raced the uh, Melbourne Warning? I haven't done that. No, I um... did... Uh, I did Grafton to Inverell once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nice. Some classic, classic big days in there. But uh, yeah, mate of mine just won it, didn't he? Old uh, Marco. Oh, he's a mate of yours. I was just there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good friend. I used to train a heat with him. So he's no, still he's plugging away, isn't he? <laughs> oh, mate, he's, he's always in form. He always turns up. And, you know, it was 13 years since he was second in 2010. Like, that's crazy. 
Oh, is that what the stat was? Yeah, okay. I, Because I, he's been second, third, fifth, and yeah. he's finally won it. Yeah. But it's been 13 years since he was second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he could nail it. Good on him. Good on him. Oh. He just keeps fit, you know. He's just fit. The three sixty five. He is missed. Yeah, Mister always fit. And you know the worst part was he he couldn't stay for the Legends dinner later um, down at Lady Bay because he had to drive back to Adelaide. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Imagine <laughs> that. <Drive away. laughs> After racing for eight hours, go and drive for another eight. Oh, tell ya. One game. Um, Greg, what are you what are you up to these days? Now that uh, obviously you're with Black Spoke before that. Um, unfortunately wrapped up but um, yeah what have you turned your eye to at the moment so I'm with a really exciting project actually that uh, a young German team has approached me and they've um, found a sponsor for the next three years oh yeah Rembi it's a it's a security and safety equipment company pretty big company in Germany mm. uh, it's international actually and uh, yeah they want to grow and they want to go point pro um, they want to go point pro next year and I'm trying to just calm down. Let's just progress. And yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I'm head of performance there now. And um I'm actually off to Antalya tomorrow for the race. So I do the DSing there as well and and um yeah, a lot of the performance stuff. And then, you know, obviously I halfway through this year I'll start contacting and contracting new riders and, and new staff members. So no, pretty exciting project actually. It was really, really lucky. It was just through a contact, obviously Andre Greipel, good friend of mine, um, for life, and and um, you know, he has sort of something to do with this this area and the, this group of kids and this um, and the the original manager of the of the team, and he said get in touch with Hindi. You know, like he's he knows what he's doing, and and um, yeah, Black Spoke folded unfortunately, so he's he's absolutely available. Oh, so true. no, it's. it's Really good, mate. Really, really exciting. And uh, we just started off with, uh, you know, training camp in Mallorca. Then we did Challenge Mallorca. So we've got race programs coming along nicely. Um, yeah. Equipment's all there. Clothing's there, which is always one of the big things, isn't it? Beginning of the season, you're like, yeah. right. Let's see, let's see how we go in January. Have we got? And you know, clothing was there. It's like, man, I've been in, I've been in World Tour teams where you're struggling for clothing in January. No shit. Wow. I forget. That's right. We talked with, um, we had Gripe on middle of last year and, and Andre he was you know explaining his role with the German um uh, you know in the high performance setup there and uh yeah that's an interesting link. Um super yeah. exciting. Building yeah. something up as well like you know starting from a nice you know building a nice foundation and then you having a three year deal as well is pretty that's good so you can actually plan ahead for once. Exactly. It's a real nice feeling. And um you know I said to them calm down now let's just stay Conti get the riders, you know, the money's there, that's fine. And he goes, yeah, but the thing is with um, if we want to go, if we want to attract some big sponsors, they're only interested if we are point pro. So it's kind of like the chicken, yes. the egg situation. Like, do we go point pro to attract the big sponsors yeah. or do we just build up slowly? But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it seems like they, the sponsor that we have, Rimby now, wants to go point pro next year. He knows, you know, what's on the table, what it takes, what, what it's going to take, you know, financially, yeah, yep. staff, um, more riders. You know, you need twenty riders at the moment. We've got fourteen, so but they seem up for it. Sweet, okay, mm. great, sounds exciting. Um, well, Greg, man, I really want to talk to you because I've uh, well always just sort of followed your discussions on social media, and you always seem to have a good um, 
uh, good opinion on 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 sprinting and cycling from your from your background uh, and your career. Uh, so I thought we'd talk about that today and, and just discuss maybe some of the sprinters this year and and lead outs and that sort of stuff. And you know, it all started last week, I guess, in terms of the the, the sprinters season um, when we had Alula, which. I'm not sure if you watched uh, the first couple of stages, but stage one was, um, <laughs> it was, you know, it's the first big sprint stage and it was a pretty sketchy one as well, going around U-turns and, um, yeah, I wonder, did you catch any of the Alula tour and, and, and see any of the sprints? Yeah, no, I did. I did. I watched them. I watched them all, actually, so with great interest. And, um, yeah, that first day was like five <laughs> across the road, trying yeah. for the line. The U-turns, uh, like the sandy U-turns. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a bit of sketch in there, <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's it's a funny thing, though, like, you know, having having done hundreds of them myself, sprints, it's like you don't actually think about that, obviously, while you're racing, but then when you finish the race and you're sitting on the bus, or in the, that's when you go, mate, how sketchy was that freaking U-turn, <laughs> you know? What about the sand on the inside? You know, you always talk oh. about it afterwards, but obviously you're so concentrated and like yeah. you don't even think about it at the time. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone, it's it, part of bike racing in the in the desert, I think. That's the, yeah. And I reckon it shows, particularly those like the lead out, the last three men, the sprinter themselves, it shows their skill. This is the top echelon of the sport. And their skill to the way they're riding, it's really, you know, pretty choppy in those first couple of stages. Everyone's nervous and everyone's fresh too. And and there's yeah. wind and the roads are rough, like there's punches everywhere. Like it just shows their skill to ride and, you know, and, and take contact and not go down. Um, and, you know, like that stage one, uh, I think it was Merle, he had, he had the bike change, like after the <laughs> U-turn. And how clean was it too? <laughs> It comes from his cyclocross background, doesn't it? Oh, that was like I think his teammate like just flung him the bike and then full CX remount. So um yeah, no, that was that was impressive. But um that that first sprint, Casper de Uden, de Uden, I think the, yeah, the Van Uden. Yeah. strong sprint, strong sprint. Mm. But um yeah, I think for the whole tour, Merlier kind of got a got a chance to show how fast he was. And I think like it's easy to forget about Merlier last year. I mean, I'm not sure if he did a grand tour, but you know, with the rise of Philipson and oh, you know, everyone else in there, Coy, it's easy to forget about him. But he's he's still there. Yeah, look, I think, in my opinion, when I was watching the first day, it was like, you know, I was looking for wind. I was looking, you know, what side's going to be your protected side on the, because when Casper went, he went straight down the middle. Um, mm. They bossed the lead out, actually. It was very nice. Yeah, they did. And, and it just looked like there was no significant wind. And often when that's the the situation, it's like riding in an indoor velodrome. It feels like it's a headwind the whole time. So when there's no wind, it'll, you're punching a hole in a wind at 70k an hour. So it feels like you've got a bit of headwind anyway. Mm. And that's why they will come across the road like that. I think if you went and looked at the next couple of sprints that Melia won, it was coming off a really hard section of, of racing. Either they'd been crosswind, I'd been on the gas, you know, the chain had been tight the whole day. Mm. And I think he just showed his strength there. And he he's obviously very fit at the moment. He's not afraid to open early. 
And the first one he won was just textbook. You know, the wind was coming hardcore from the left and he just pinned it on the barriers on the right. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about doing something like that is if someone does come up beside you, they're going to start protecting you eventually from the wind because they're going to have to pass on the wind side. So you'll actually speed up again. So to actually get passed on the wind side, it's almost impossible. But at that moment in time, he was a bike length clear and everyone else had done way too much work to try and get his wheel and he had bike lengths. But um, I think uh, one thing I wanted to talk about actually, and I don't know what you think, but um, you know, that first sprint where they're all across the road and it's like, that's never used to happen back in my day, but I've been thinking about it more and more and I've seen a lot of sprints like this more and more. A lot of it now is more who times it just that little bit better meaning coming just a little later because everyone now is so optimized. Everyone has the fastest rolling resistance tires, wheels. They all have the best skin suits, aero helmets. They're all in an aerodynamic sprinting position. Everyone is just optimized and even. So there's not a lot, you know, if you go back to the back to the old days, cab versus gripe. It was cab was just so much more aero than than what we could ever make. Andre punching a hole in the wind. But now I think everyone's got to that point of, okay, that's where we're optimized. And then you take a step back and I was chatting with um, um, Wellsford, sorry, Wellsford at the Tour Down Under. And I said, mate, what gear were you in? Because it was huge. It was visibly, his RPM was visibly. Oh, at third stage, yeah. And he said, yeah, I put it in the biggest, it's got, he's got a 5610, but he rode the 5611. And I said, that's exactly what we, I was talking with Greipel about maybe 10 years ago. I said, yeah. it's going to go that way because, because everyone's getting so aerodynamic now. Everyone's mm. going to be level playing field aerodynamic wise. The next thing is now the strongest guys are going to have to use bigger gears. It'll, it'll, it'll eliminate some of the jump. You know some of that initial yeah, kick, kick, yeah. But the top end speed's huge, and it's if you look at track cycling, that's exactly where it's gone. Yeah. Track cycling, yeah. oh, they just ride these gears. monster women, hundred and forty inch gears. Oh. I mean, they are monsters, the yeah. guys that ride. But I just can see road cycling going the same way. I think if you want to make that next step to go faster, you've just got to absolutely be a big, strong unit like Sam is, mm. and push the big gear. And mm. he was just. It was just never really challenged because he was, it was just always two gears bigger than everybody else. And I, I really think that's what you're going to see change maybe even this season, but definitely in the next coming a couple of seasons. Mm. And I, that was interesting. Uh, what I think it was what Ryan Mullins said is someone interviewed him or just grabbed, you know, got a grab with him after the finish and Ryan Mullins like position three and that uh, bore a lead out usually. And he's a, and if you haven't watched any footage, Ryan Mullen in the lead out, he's a fucking, uh, he's a bully and he's got a good reputation of being tough. But, you know, he said that they they liked what Sam could do because he could hold on to that train. When they're ripping it, you know, in the last, you know, kilometre, kilometre and a half, obviously Sam Bennett, maybe in his last couple of years, he just couldn't hold the wheel or he would, mm. you know, once they were finished and, and Van Poppel swings off, Sam was gas. So well, Sam Bennett was gas, but Wellsford obviously has got that horsepower. And yeah, if you're coming off a 60K an hour lead out and you've got a 56, 11 that you can push and he was ripping it too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you're right. I guess they're all, they're all, 
fairly dialed now. And that that Alula sprint, especially that first one where it was it was bloody messy. Yeah, maybe an element of just getting that timing right, hitting your top speed at the right time, perhaps. Correct. Absolutely. Um, and, and hold, you know, if you hit it just five pedal strokes earlier than the next guy, you might just fade five mm. five metres line. But if you can just time that perfectly, because I feel the top sprinters in a sprint like that where there's what I was getting to, there's nothing really to contend with, meaning um, uh, crosswinds or what side of the road to protect or to make it easy for yourself. And you saw, for example, Gronerwagen coming fast, but yeah, he yeah. was he was protected for a hundred meters of the sprint. So then he finally, when he had room to open, of course he's fresher, fresher, but no room. They're all across the line. So yeah, it's it's really interesting how sprinting's changed now. And and um, you know, I've spoken to a few of the guys where not a, not a heap of them, like two thousand watts, eighteen hundred watts, doesn't necessarily guarantee you win a bunch sprint anymore. You know, they're, they're winning them now, and I, I use that word optimized because I mean b- booties, aero socks, tires, wheels, bikes, you know, skin suits, everything is just. And now you can see EF Education have got those new aero helmets. You know, it's yes. like it's um yeah, it's just the way the sport's going. They just aerodynamics free speed but once everyone's got that then you have to start thinking okay how do i get the next advantage stronger fitter faster younger <laughs> yeah yeah younger's right yeah it's uh they, they all add up and you know someone like sam wills who can you know he might peak a, a 1700 on a, on a really good day uh, but he's you know he's doing it after a, a super tough last five ten minutes um yeah. and but also on the other side Someone like Cavendish, you know, he, he's he's hitting like fourteen hundred, maybe fourteen hundred, really, really fresh. But he can hold it for a long time, and he's super aero yeah. and is yeah. So uh, into leadouts, it's like that's been. I feel like leadouts, particularly the last men, uh, the last man has been like talked about a lot more um, in the last four or five years. Uh, particularly, I think with more coup, you know, maybe when Cav got back to him. And yeah, that kind of highlighted that lead out role. And now Van Poppel, you know, he's been the talk of the town the last two, you know, last two years, probably. Um, mm. And then also, uh, who is the Lotto? Um, I think a Belgian, Belgian guy who was with Caleb for quite a long time, the Boost, Jasper de Boost. He was, Jasper, he was quite yeah. good. So that last man and the, and the last three now seems to be the go um, rather than the, the trains, like say, with, Back in your career, it was really the big trains, wasn't it? But now it's more about those last three. Uh, that's critical. Yeah, well, I would go back again to this, like for for a train to ride the front at 55 k's an hour, there's every team in the world can do that now from five kilometres out because it's that's that used to be really hard to do when, you know, aerodynamics wasn't the huge thing. But mm. now... All, it's all across the road. Every team is protecting the GC or every starting their lead out and wanting to be part of it. They can do that first part, you know. So it's the key now is to being really confident in your last two men mm. and just making sure that they have you in a position. And I always say to my riders, be at the front but not on the front. And it's a big difference there because you can be sitting just back one or, or two, still mm. getting a ton of shelter. Mm. But looking after, making sure, always checking over your shoulder that you've got your guys behind you ready to go. And then when those meter markers come that you know I can go from here to here, he can go from here to here. When when they come, 
that's when it's full gas. And that's why those last two guys, and it's usually from about a K, isn't it? Those last two guys can take the sprinter. And um, it's almost, you can almost see them when they pin their ears back, maybe even before, you know, maybe the guy at 12 or 1500 meters, you can really see, right, we can make it to the line from here. And they just go, wow. <laughs> yeah. It just goes up and the peloton just goes. Ee! Oh, you see it, <laughs> he's stretching out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We, but it's just from, from that point, from so far out, 5K out, 4K, it's just there's so many people now yeah. that can ride that speed for that long that it just you just have to be a bit more patient and really trust in following the lead out because they get messy, picking one side of the road so that – and the key to that is obviously you can only get past on one side of the road. You can't get swamped both yeah. sides. And ideally, if, you, if you're good enough, you can pick the side that's – you know, you'll be protected on if the wind's coming from the from the left, you want to be on the right side of the road mm. so that it's super easy for you to advance. Mm. But yeah, and then when it goes, those last three riders, it's, it's to even get up beside them, you know that you've just burned him, you know, the guy that you've, and then for him to try and get in front of you, you've burnt him off. So there's there's no, uh, at that speed, there's there's no saving energy. Yeah, and then you know what could also happen is like if say you you you're the you're the train that's second to the jump, and you 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 one two men are sitting in behind the the say the Bora lead out three of you. Now all of a sudden, your last man's kind of just in the way, you know, because like he's not gonna he won't be able to step off. So all he is is just another bike length that your sprinter has to make up in a way. It's almost worth them just like swinging out and at least giving them a run into the the last wheel but uh i also wanted to understand you know in your career greg you were often you were sometimes the last sprinter as well uh, maybe in the, in the sky days a couple of years there as well but you were the second last man for a long time too and what are some of the the cues and the things that you're saying to your you know to your team in those final three k's like what are the cues is it just all intuition you're just saying yep go or is there a few more words spoken uh often wait because there are even though they've done lead outs for so long you really have to be really relaxed when you and try and cause a bit of stress around so everyone else stresses out even though you're quite cool and calm in that situation and that's the best way to be because you can you can trick so many people in a lead out if if you try and create a bit of stress but you know you're doing that on purpose. But I'd always be trying to hold back, like Lars Buck and, and Adam Hansen, just wait. I'd always be saying, wait, it's too early, wait. And then, you know, you would see the corner turning to the left and then we're on, I'm saying, stay right, like don't move because I know I've already done the research that we're going to turn back to the right. So we need to stay on this right-hand side, even though we're going the long way around this road and they, it looks like we're actually not in the lead anymore. Yeah. The corner will turn back to the to the right boom we're at the front again and then it's like then when it's time to go and we see those meter markers on the side of the road go and that's what it is and everybody knew their job from that mm. how far they had to go but it was often um it was often about yeah trying to cause some panic and and sometimes you know you arrive too early and you're a man short so I used to always go yep yep then that's good and uh, someone would look around and be a young FDJ rider and he'd get on the front thinking right I'm looking after my sprinter so he would go full gun like oh brilliant he's going to do another 300 meters yeah, yeah. yeah just create this sort of chaos even though you're calm and relaxed and just chilling 
Hmm. Right, okay, I've got 300 of him. That's all I need right now. We can go. But that was a really good point you made about, um, um, yeah, if you're the second to the jump, your lead-out man is almost in the is almost in the way. That yeah. was one of our golden rules too, is, is if I used to always say down the line, if you can't get to your meter mark first, just stop because you're doing the work for someone else now, another team. Just mm. stop, pull out, puts us up one length. If I can't get there, I pull out, puts Greipel on the wheel to be able to sprint. So it's you're absolutely spot on there. If you can't get to the front at your meter marker, just get out of the way because you're actually you're actually helping another team. Yeah. Mm. Now the you know, with all well, at the moment, there's just such a huge crop of sprinters. Yeah, you know, and probably for a lot of the reasons that you said, you know, they're all optimized, but there's just also seems to be quite a big pool of of guys who can win top bike races. And you know, obviously last year Philipson made it sort of clear that he was the best uh, he's the best sprinter. But I'm interested to hear what your view is of who maybe is because well, I don't think the fastest sprinter is the best sprinter, you know, and vice versa. I feel like Philipson isn't the fastest, he's just the fittest. You know, he's I feel like he's rolling into the finishing of these races and he's just so fresh in comparison to the other sprinters that what he can do on a on, on his best day, um, he can do it when he's super fatigued and maybe that's why he's – I mean, we saw it at Roubaix. That was the killer for me. When he's rolling into the velodrome, <laughs> like mental, that was the killer that showed this guy's uh, got a serious engine, eh? Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely spot on. It's it's how fresh the sprinters can arrive after two hundred kilometers. Yeah. Uh, um. I guess one thing would be you could. And we used to joke about it. You know, it was like Graham Brown, for example. You put him side by side with any sprinter, just out in the road, out training after after thirty minutes. Mm. He's freaking hard to beat. Mm. You know, like he can put out some power. He's super <laughs> fast. He gets yeah. up to speed real quick just from his track days. You know. But then, you know, he wouldn't win every bunch sprint that he raced because at the end of 200 Ks, 200, he wasn't the best after 200, 250 Ks. Yeah. No disrespect, Brownie. <laughs> love you, mate. Yeah, love Brownie. But, you know, just that sort of example. Like, or, or you could just take a couple of club riders even. They can still smash out some yeah, power. Yeah, off the couch, yeah. Yeah, off the couch, exactly. And then it's, again, how fresh are you when you arrive? And Grand Tours were like that too, mate. Like you get two weeks deep into a Grand Tour and you're full of fatigue. It's like that's when the fitness that and the experience also, I think, comes in. as like it's the easiest way here that I can sift through the bunch. And I think that's why I had such a, a good role uh, in leading out from my track days was I could find the front with very yeah, very easily. It was one of my attributes was just finding the front and then if I had a big gorilla tagged on the back of me, we usually got there quite easily. And then he had that ability to, didn't matter how fatigued he was, he could still push that big power in a sprint. Mm. Yeah, it's, uh, that's one thing I hope to see from uh, from Wellsford this year, whatever Grand Tour he ends up doing. Um, I think he'll be a lot better than he was last year. You know, <laughs> he did go in there. I Actually, we had this... French, oh, this uh, this French speaking school. Um, I, I can't remember what it's called now, but they did like a big Tour de France dinner thing with a presentation. And I built, you know, we're talking about GC contenders, and then I did this big slide of how you know Wellsford had a great train and he's got the speed. And I just kind of overlooked the fact that it was his first Grand Tour, and um, 
you know, he was all he was nowhere really in any of the sprints. He was cooked at the end. But um I think this year with you know with that Grand Tour in the legs, another full season, he'll get that endurance and might be able to arrive at those sprints a bit fresher because it is it's it's night and day. Absolutely. No, I hundred percent agree. Once you get what that first Grand Tour in your legs, I think it changes you as a rider. Um it's uh I reckon it takes a year off your life too, though. I've done like seventeen of them, so I must be about Is that how many you did in my career? Yeah, <laughs> it takes a year off your life, mate. <laughs> um, you did right. Like he'll be fit, he'll be strong. You saw him come out at nationals, just playing and having fun. He knew it's oh, not a course for him, but he's he's attacking. He yeah, absolutely. He's done some work. Good on him, and I just hope he can, you know he carries that on now because it's like. It's directors and and uh, and teammates and uh, and uh, I guess negotiate. I mean, I'm sure he's negotiated for a couple of years, but they're pretty quick to forget what happens in January and and bringing in Australia. As soon as you start, you go line up at the Giro and you're like, "Well, what's going on?" Well, hang on, mate. I just won every single bike race up until now. Yeah, give me a, a moment. Yeah. But, um, no, I think you're spot on, mate. He's got a grand tour on his legs. He looks really happy on the back of that train. Um, that have got confidence and belief in him. And at the moment, he's so strong. He's so powerful. Mate, I remember talking about him. This is no shit. I remember talking about him. Must have been my last, must have been like 14 or 15. And he was with the Australian national team. Yeah, all right. Was it when he was As the world a, scratch champ? Maybe around then. Yeah. Well, I was out there with Lotto, and I just said, I remember saying to the train and that, like, who we always watch, who we got to watch. Da, 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 da. I said, just be careful with this kid here. I said, he is lightning quick. He's so strong. He does like 1,700 watts seated. Mm. I said, if he's there at the finish, just be, just we've just got to pay attention. Mm. Okay, unfortunately for him, it was too early in his career and, and the racing was super hard in tour down under you get the the heat and the hard racing and, and he wasn't actually a factor in in the sprints but i just knew way back then if this guy gets it together he's going to be doing rapid and uh yeah, we've seen it like i think even last year was probably his standout or his breakout yeah you know, he started consistently last year and then i think this year he might he might be the the, the real deal you know the one that can actually challenge um like i think it's been a straight line he's faster than philipson mm. um like i think grown away in a straight line is faster than philipson so do i yeah but it's just about who arrives fresher who arrives in a better position and like we spoke about the timing of the sprint who's open too early you know it's i remember i've watched so many and talking with giacomo and zolo and just going mate if you're out of men just look for the Colombian Gaviria, mate. He opens at 300 every yeah, time. he does. I know. It's your lead out. It's not rocket science, mate. Just get on him and you've, yeah. got, a, you've got a perfect lead out. So, yeah, yeah it's just comes down to, I think a lot of it is, a lot of it is timing nowadays. It's, um, and yeah, they're sprinting so fast. And mm-hmm. yeah, if you think about 56, 11, that's for 200 meters, that's 15 pedal strokes. Yeah. Like, it's not a lot of work. Anyone, you know, you'll be able to get your 15 pedal. If you're in that bigger gear, you'll get it. Yeah. You'll make it to the finish line. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, I'll skip past the next topic. We sort of covered a bit of that, but uh, I'm keen to talk about some of the New Zealand athletes. And I have to say, I'm very excited about Ali Wollaston. I mean, I just, I can't get enough of it. I think she's a superstar in the making. I mean, she just cleaned up the Nations Cup, like, and against the likes of Katie Archibald as well, who really takes the piss when she's on the track. Um, Ali, yeah, very exciting athlete. And and also Lawrence Pitty as well, who hopefully maybe next week we'll be able to get him on here and, and have a chat with him. Um, but two um, great talents from, from New Zealand, Greg, who, yeah, have kind of just stepped up or maybe just showed them. So maybe Lawrence just showing himself a bit more. And I think Ali has stepped up into that sort of second tier, pushing on the first tier now. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. It's um, with Ali, any time that you're putting Archibald away, you're in you're in good condition, aren't you? And, yeah. I, and I think oh, she yeah. took Jin, Jin Valenti as well, like yeah, American. Oh, most of like, the elimination, like crazy. That's that's if you. I mean, of course, nobody really knows exactly how what condition they're in. We know Ali's flying. So she's got nationals coming up. She's just done tour down. But we know True. she's in great nick. Yeah, but still, these girls and they're on the track, they're never bad athletes. You know, mm-hmm. they're never turning up not not flying. So yeah. you can't take that away from him. I yeah, I think uh I think she's taking a step up too. And she's she's on that team that AG um Yeah, Sudal, insurance Sudal. Yeah. And so one of my old teammates, Sivas Carnarvon, his wife is like the founder of the team. Natasha, the yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I met Sivas in uh Challenge Mallorca. They were coming for a camp. We were chatting about it, and I said, "I actually said, I'll let Ali Wollaston, and she's, a, you know, you'll be happy with the way she's riding. She's a good prospect for the Olympics. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah, but a uh, lot of Kapeki, yeah, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> the was already. I was like, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. Let's, let's see. <laughs> and then old Pithy, mate, I've, I've, I've loved oh. that kid for a long time, mate. He's just got, he's just a racer. He's a real racer, yeah. and um, yeah, he gets stuck in, you know." And I could tell a story about uh, we would sit in a region Wallany sprint. It's quite an uphill, draggy sprint. And we set up the sprint for Nitzolo with um, Zabel leading out. Oh, nice. And you look from up above, <laughs> the camera shot up above. <laughs> and there's this FDJ guy giving the easewell <laughs> to Nitzolo, who's on, who's, who's on his freaking lead out. Yeah. And I'm like, I reckon I know who that is. Oh, <laughs> boxing on. Just boxing on and Pethy's there. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, it's always like, oh, who's that? You know, you know, I went, oh, yeah. Uh, that's Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he <won't finish. laughs> yeah, but it's about respect. I said, oh, I guarantee he respects you. He was just racing his bike and that's yeah. just like, just racing. And then, um, you know, he raced well and tore down under and, I, I remember giving him a, a hard time because every time he sprints, I said, mate, put it in the big chain ring because he looks like he's in the track. <laughs> yeah, he's got a super high cadence, hasn't he? Yeah. 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 Well, that, quite... that, the sprint that he won on um, – uh, well, the sprint that he won at Cadell's, that, I mean, the way he threaded that needle, there's only a few – like that's a trait that every top-end sprinter and, and finisher needs to be able to go, right, I'm going to try this. And – you know, he just he had to go through the gap, but also, you know, get the pedal stroke right, pull the front wheel in as he, he almost, yeah. you know, took the t- collected that front wheel, 
that is that takes guts and and confidence. I love that. And bike race is probably the best way to put it. And that I think is just instinct, you know. Like um, I did write to him the night before because I had a feeling he'd be up. And I wrote to him, I said, mate, just don't sprint down the barrier on this sprint because I've seen it close on that barrier so many times. Mm. And you can see he didn't go down the barrier. He went straight through the middle. He threw to that needle. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, thanked me afterwards. Like, not not that I think that he thought, but sometimes yeah. if that's in your brain, like, don't go down the barrier. It closes. It always closes that barrier. I, I remember, was it last year, the year before, Aaron Gate closed on him. I saw it one other time. Yeah. Closes on that. For some reason, it comes downhill super fast and then i don't know if the barriers jut in a little bit yeah, the barriers do seems... come in they do yeah because i think i saw what you said about that on twitter yes. or something and i went and watched the finish to see if the barriers did come yes. in and they do they come in about maybe a meter yep that's all it needs you know because yeah. then it just shuts everyone down and everyone slightly drifts so yeah you, it just it just uh not the place to go down the left-hand barrier and that what and again, it would have come down to, you know, he's getting fitter, he's getting stronger because he's still a kid, but he's fit and he's strong and yeah. and um, he's arrived fresh and just dusted them in the sprint. Like, you know, and um, yeah, as you, you know, I just want to go back to, if you're talking about New Zealand bike, I think I think we're in a great spot right now for, oh, for New Zealand yeah, road cycling. Like, he's at Corbin Strong also. Like, Corbin. he's got the potential. Um, you the know, uh, Jaco, um, what's her name? Um Oh, she was at the front as well, Cadell's. Uh, whoa, another Kiwi. Oh, She's like a punchy got... climber. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking she about. She was at the yeah. front uh, matching Gigante when Gigante was trying to rip it on that 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 climb. She was like, she had her on the ropes easy. Um, Ella Wiley. Wiley. Yeah. Wiley. She's new to it, man. She's new to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've got the... Fisher Blacks. Oh God, yeah. I've, you know, like both of them. Yeah. So it's we're in a real first really small nation. Like we're, mm -hmm. we're punching above our weight when you when you look at how actually really good they are at, at specific talents. Like yeah. you know, one the time trialer or well, thin nearly one buddy GC, and then Pithy I reckon is going to win a classic, and he can win a a, a reduced bunch sprint, and Corbin mm -hmm. anything uphill sprinting. Yeah. Yeah, he's always there for the win. It's like, yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty impressive. And then you know we've got the other batch coming through from Black Spoke with the top guys there. Unfortunately, it would have been nice to develop them for another couple of years. You guys, Jackson, um, George Jackson, you know, yes. and then we've got, yeah, you know, he's got some talent, man. I when yeah. I first saw ride Trobro Leon, he'd never ridden it in his life. He just cruised around and finished front group. I'm like, how was it, mate? And he goes, yeah, it was a bit hard, yeah, but I was like, mate, that's. One of the hardest bike races you're yeah. going to do, just rolling around. Like you've got a huge potential here, you know. And then, mm. um, yeah, obviously we've got the, the the brains and the brawn of young Aaron Gate. So it would have been nice just to keep that team going for yeah, like I said, another couple of years, develop them, and 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 yeah. uh, you know, we've got some nice young climbers coming through. But you know, it's one of those situations. Unfortunately, it's not the first; it won't be the last. That's right, yeah, and it was a good foundation anyway. I think you know it held a good place for for the Kiwi athletes for quite a while. So, um, ah, oh God, he was he's just getting so much momentum too. A real shame. Yeah, real but, shame. Yeah. Well, uh, last couple of questions. Um, can you share any stories about your career, uh, Hendo? Maybe 
maybe from the days in a, I don't know, maybe a, a really tough day out on the bike that you can remember and um, maybe like a really good team moment that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, I can do that quite easily. <laughs> I could be here on a day. Yeah. Uh, worst, I think the worst day that, the story I always tell is we had to climb um, Columbia and I was in trouble right from the beginning. I don't know whether I had, just hadn't recovered well from the day before or for, for whatever reason. Yeah. I was shot straight out the back quite early oh, and I was in trouble. I was behind Gruppetto, well behind Gruppetto. And then I could just see them in the distance cresting and I descended like a madman. Like I, I just took risks that were just, I had to, I was out of the tour and I just got back into Gruppetto and we still had to go up, pay a sword and oh, we did, we did other climbs and up the pace or descend that it's the one that threw me one down on yeah. down doing that yeah, yeah. yeah this, the iconic yeah yeah meanwhile i'm having the worst day of my life but i, <laughs> I couldn't stop cramping mate. i couldn't stop cramping so i'm that leads me to believe now that i was just so dehydrated because it, yeah. it was blazing hot and so what i was doing was you know my heart rate was through the roof and i was only doing 280 watts but i was probably doing 180 heart i was just blown so I said, Gripe, I'm in big trouble, mate. I'm seriously. And he goes, oh, I was just white. He goes, I've never seen you like this before. He goes, quick, one sprint, come back to Gruppetto. I said, I can't, I can't. He goes, you have to sprint. So I sprint to the Gruppetto, to the back of it. He goes, no, no, you have to come to the middle. Because the commissaires were watching. So we go to the middle of the of Gruppetto. And um, then he comes up beside me with his strong elbows he goes make your arms tight so i put my arms tight and we hooked like that and he's pushing me up the climb but not pushing me he's elbowing me up the climb and in the middle of the pillow so you can't see yeah they couldn't see and then he, he wasn't taking his hands off the handlebars to push me but he just knew i was in so much trouble and then uh and then we, i got to the top of the payer sword with some help and i remember it was tyler farrar and I was, I was like this, mate. I just, and my stomach had just started rejecting everything oh, as well. No, yeah. And I said to Tyler, mate, is it all downhill home? Like, seriously? And he goes, yeah, it's, it's downhill to the finish. No, I said, no, 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 no. I'm serious. Is it downhill? Nothing, but I don't have to pedal. He goes, yeah, Greg, seriously, but please go to the back, mate. You look fully cooked. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> <see."> <laughs> that was probably the hardest day of my life just to get oh. through that day. I've never suffered like that on a bike. Never. It was horrible. Oh, okay. What about team mo a favorite team moment that comes to mind? I'm sure you've got so many, but maybe you might have some special ones with Gripal, of course, but what have you got? Yeah, so I think the one was um it was the stage we we won. I can't remember where it was into. Um and there was a huge pile up, about three point five Ks to go. We had the train and we were getting ready to go. And then I look behind and it's just bike riders. And I'm like, oh, oh I shit. just made it through. Yeah. And then I, then I heard, oh, Gripple's still here, is he? But he got, you know, you'd see the replay and he's got one foot out and he's up on the gutter and he, he's landed it. And then comes on the radio, Greg, we're sprinting for you. We've got to go. And this is now 3K to go. So they, the trains are going. And I went, no, Gripal's still here. I can get him. So I go back. I said, guys, you stay here. I'll go back and get him. We went back. I went back, found him. 
mate, out of every corner, because there's about four 90-degree corners till we hit the final 1K straight. Yeah. With Gripel on, we were passing it, jump in, have a little rest. Pass. Then I finally got to my teammates, Jurgen Rawlins and Seaberg at a K. Seaberg, you're right. And I'm like, I'm like this. You know? <laughs> like, I guess so. Let's go because we can't wait. And away they went. And then I remember Jurgen Rawlins, he took off, and I was just, the wheel was just going like this. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh shit. And then it was Lancaster came past. Oh yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and I I just went, Gripple, you've got to get up there. And he just went pop, and there, and then I was just completely dead, mate. And and then I just heard on the radio, Gripple wins by four lengths. It was like, yeah. how how did we do that? And the team waiting for us, and then the team still believing that Gripple can win from yeah. basically jumping up on the footpath. It was just. Oh mate, that was just the best feeling that we, best feeling that I can remember. Um, having won a race with with Gripel was just just the trust that we had in him, and then yeah. the guys, the trust that they had in me to bring him back, you mm. know. And then mm. and then they just laid it on the line. It's like, yeah, it's just uh, it was it's a really nice feeling when everyone lays it on the line like that. Mm. Oh, wicked, mate. Well, Greg, mate, yeah. thanks so much for your time. It was a wicked chat. We could have gone on for. Fucking hours. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, all good, mate. I appreciate that. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, uh, where are you going? You're going to Turkey tomorrow. Yeah, off to Tour of Antalya. So um and, and yeah, looking where do you find the the team on Instagram? Where can we find it? What's it called? It's Rembe, R-E-M-B-E. Rembe Pro Cycling. Rembe Pro Cycling. All right, make sure everyone to give it a follow and let's let's see how this this uh let's follow it with interest yeah see how it evolves absolutely yeah wiki greg take care mate safe flight Righto. thanks mate That's another episode of the Press Room Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the sprinting chat with Greg Henderson. If you like this episode and you like the format of it, a bit more of an open table discussion about a certain topic with an expert, let me know and we'll do more of these throughout the year. We can do a climbers one. We can do a time trialist one. Really easy for me to get the experts on those topics to bring them in and have an open chat about how it's going in that discipline of cycling so let me know if you like it and also let me know if you love this episode make sure you share it around tell a friend about it who's uh, interested in the sprinting discipline and also thanks guys to Zwift Uh, thanks to Bike Racks they are huge supporters of the pod and we can't do it without them and of course thanks to you guys the Patreons everyone can't wait for the next episode I'll see you next week